Hi, I'm Phil Newman and welcome to the Impact Online podcast. We are so glad you're here. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Church Online. I've got a word that'll encourage you today. It's called waiting for the promise. We all have promises from God that we're waiting for in our lives. Perhaps it's in your health or relationships, your finances. Perhaps it's a house, a life's partner, a career or business opportunity, or even ministry to others. But what about when your promise is delayed and you have no idea when and how God will fulfill his promise. And today I'm gonna teach you on waiting for the promise. Jesus' last words were actually not go, but wait. I always thought that Jesus' last commandment to the church was in Matthew 28, when he said, go into all the world, but that wasn't the last commandment. In Luke 24, in 49, it says, and look, I send forth the promise of my Father on you, but wait in the city until you're clothed with power on high. And again, in Acts 1 verse four, it says, being assembled together, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Jesus' last words were not go, but wait for the promise of the Father. Because if they were to go before the receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, they would certainly fail. There is so much to learn while waiting. And today we're going to learn three powerful lessons about waiting for the promise from the disciples and how we can apply it to our lives. Where, how, and why did they wait for the promise? Number one, where did they wait? Well, if I was to ask you, you'd probably say in the upper room. And that is partially right. But we do find that uh, they did gather together. It wasn't the same upper room that Jesus celebrated Pass Passover. But it was only with about 12 people. But it was actually 120 that were waiting for the promise. And in Acts 1 and verse 12, it says that they returned from Jerusalem, from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they came in, they went to the upper room and they continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Note, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was present. She was present at the birth of Jesus and she was also present at the birth of the church. The church was birthed in Acts chapter two. They didn't stay entirely in the upper room the whole time. They were also meeting in the temple. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 53 describes the same time period after Jesus ascended. It says they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Continually means frequently and often. Continuously means they would have been there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But they were waiting in the temple and in the upper room. If you only have a temple experience one day a week, and the other six days you are missing out on something. But if you only have, say, house church experience and not waiting in the temple, you're also missing out. It's God's plan that you have both. Right through the book of Acts, we see that the church met in the temple and in their houses. Acts 2.46, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking from bread from house to house. In Acts 5.42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease 
teaching and preaching Jesus. But there is also a deeper principle at work here. Jesus asked, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. To sum up the great commandment, it is relationship with God and relationship with godly people. Where should we be waiting for the promises in our life? We should be waiting in relationship with God and relationship with God's people. God's plan for each of us is to have connection with God and God's people. Every human being comes out of the womb searching for connection. When you travel internationally and turn back your telephone or turn on your, your phone at the airport, the, uh, internationally it starts searching for a signal or for connection. And it says searching for connection. And what happens, then when you get connection, it brings you in touch with your world. You get all your text messages, your emails, my phone calls from home and so on. And when we're in connection with God and His people, I'm now in touch with God and His promises, His voice and His messages to me. Jesus said that all the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments and on these two things, the promises of God come together in our life and that is loving God and loving people. To sum up the whole Bible, it's really about have relationship with God and relationship with God's people. Now there is a danger as we come out of COVID and that is continued isolation. The trend is that we can get so cautious, many do, and so apprehensive about reconnecting socially. It's a lot safer and easier to watch church online at home in your pajamas. However, don't just be deceived uh, from where you need to be while waiting for your promise. It's easy to settle into a false balance. No temple and no people, just remain isolated. All temple and no people, zero connection outside of Sunday. Discipleship only happens in connection and relationship with others. But if it's all people and no temple, well, there's and zero connection in the temple, it's also unbiblical. In 2022, there's a fresh emphasis on returning to church and gathering together and coming together in connect groups during the week where we can be encouraged in pastoral care and discipleship and connection, it all takes place. So that's where you wait for the promise. How do you wait for the promise? In Acts chapter one and verse 14 says, and they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Prayer is to ask, supplication is to intentionally ask, is to ask fervently, intentionally and passionately. Prayer is communication with God, presenting your petitions and talking to Him about releasing your burdens to Him. Prayer is about transferring your burden and your concerns and your anxieties and your fears and your worries to the Lord. How many times have we prayed about something and then just gone away still feeling burden for what we prayed for? We've given it to God, but then we've picked it up and taken it right back again. You know, the Bible says we to cast our cares upon the Lord. And it's a picture of a fisherman with a fishing rod, just casting out and casting that bait out and just leaving it with God. You see, the prayer 
continued as a primary theme right through the book of Acts. They prayed passionately and continually about all their challenges. In Acts 4, it says they were praying for boldness. In Acts 6, they were praying before choosing leaders. In Acts 7, Peter or Stephen prayed and saw the heavens open. In Acts 9, they were praying for signs and wonders. And, and so it goes on and on. And John Wesley, who pioneered the, the Methodist church, was correct in a very famous quote. He said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. The further we get from prayer is the further we get from receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Receiving the Holy Spirit is not just a once-off experience. We need to continually be filled and uh, that to, be, to meet and to rise to every challenge that we experience in life and, and for every promise that needs to be outworked and fulfilled in our life. The Holy Spirit is received in prayer. His strength, His grace, His wisdom will flow to you. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit before He even began His ministry. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says that while Jesus prayed, the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove upon Him. The disciples needed the Holy Spirit to build the church. In Acts 4, verse 31, it says, and when they prayed, the place where they were shaken together, they assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. We need the Holy Spirit to intervene in our lives and He's waiting on us to pray. Right through the Bible, we see God is looking for those who pray in 2 Chronicles 16. I love this verse in verse nine. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal or committed to him. God is waiting on us to wait on him. And as we wait on God in prayer and supplication, you know, where did they wait? They waited in the temple and in house to house. How did they wait? In prayer and supplication. Now we look at number three, why did they wait? Well, simply, they waited for their good. In Acts 2 verse 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Jesus ascended after 40 days after he rose from the dead. And he asked his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. It turned out to be another 10 days. They didn't know it would be 10 days. It could have been another 40 days. You know, the 50th day, was called the day of Pentecost. And 50 means first fruits in the Bible. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 as the first fruits that we can all encounter God and His presence. Why does He make us wait? Why does this happen? Or why didn't this happen? Why did my wife get sick? Why did my husband die? Why did I lose my job? Why did God allow this to happen? It's a tough question with an easy answer. We wait because He is God. He is all-knowing. He is all-wise. He is all-powerful. He is all-loving. Ultimately, He's doing it for your good. He's doing it because He loves you. He's doing it to build your faith. He's doing it to strengthen you. He's doing it to keep your hope 
in him. In Lamentations 3.26, it says it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In every waiting season or every season of waiting, there's a promise of God that keeps our hope in God to go even deeper into Him. You see, if you have nothing that you desire or want or believe for or hope for, you really lose hope. That's why people who actually lack nothing and they hope for nothing, they often die prematurely or end up taking their own lives. Why? Because they've lost all hope. So why do we wait? As you wait on God, it builds your faith, your trust, your relationship with God. God's given you a promise, but you're not yet ready to receive it. So when the promise comes, you can handle it. And the promise, you know, was the person in the power of the Holy Spirit. They waited 10 days and they went in that time deeper into God. And, and when the power of the Holy Spirit came, they could handle it. Abraham, the father of faith, and Sarah had to wait 25 years for the promise to come. Why did they wait? Well, simply because they couldn't handle the promise unless they waited 25 years. You know, after 11 years of waiting, Sarah got impatient, gave her, got impatient, gave her maid to, to Abraham to help hurry up the promise and the process. They were definitely not ready. But Abraham built his relationship with God and the Bible says in hope against hope, he waited on God and he believed God and he trusted God and God built his character and trust in him and, and God put a depth in his life and in your life in order that we can handle the promise. You know, uh, why didn't uh, God actually say to Abraham, well, you know, after 24 years, I didn't need to wait a year, but actually, he knew it would take 25 years of knowing God and waiting on God to bring maturity in Abraham to receive it. You know, the second thing, God is time, his timing is perfect for his promise because Isaac grew and Abraham uh, sent his servant for a wife into his brother's household. And Rebecca, his future wife, was on the exact day of his long journey, she met him and became his wife and offered him water and hospitality. And God planned his steps and everything that was worked out for his perfect timing. And we see the genealogy of Abraham and his children and his grandchildren, and right through the scriptures, all the way to the promise of Christ. The timing was perfect. It started with Abraham waiting 25 years. The third thing about this is that God's perfect timing of his promise is at work in your life. You know, I met my wife Yvonne in 1975 in a nightclub. We were both far from God, but he had a plan for our lives as our two worlds came together. And we were married and three months later, we found Jesus. And I started a business in Pioneer Church in the Barossa Valley and, and in Gawler in South Australia. And, and, uh, and for, in that time, 10 years, we struggled with infertility, infertility. But I visited Korea and God gave me a great love for that nation and its people. And we ended up adopting two beautiful girls in 1985 and 1987. But then in 1997, we moved to the central coast, New South Wales. And at that time, I discipled a young man named Phil. He was 16 years of age when we met him. But you know, over a course of time, he fell in love with my second daughter, Tamir, and they got married and they've given me a beautiful granddaughter, Suki. And now Phil is the lead pastor of Impact. He's the successor. 
of what God has set in place for the future of impact. And can I say that God's ways and timing is perfect. So why did the disciples wait? It was actually for their good. God set the promise of the Holy Spirit on the appointed day. Where, how and why did they wait? Did they wait? The Holy Spirit will come on the appointed day. And there's appointed time for your promise to come. And so today I want to challenge and encourage each one of you that you will encounter God afresh while you wait. Stay connected to God and stay connected to people by returning to church and meeting also in connect groups. Stay expectant and fervent in prayer and petition. Stay trusting in God's perfect timing and promise for your good. Today, you'll encounter God as you wait for His promise. And so today, I want to encourage you who are away from God or never uh, surrendered your life to Jesus. Today is the perfect timing. It's the day that you can reconnect with God. You can receive the promise of your salvation as you say yes to Jesus. I want to pray a very simple prayer that God will give you great faith and grace as you wait for your promise. But also today, if you want to turn your heart, surrender your life to Jesus, you just uh, open your heart as I pray this prayer to Jesus right now. Father, I thank you for all those viewing today. I pray, God, those who are waiting for a promise, that Father, you would help us to teach us to be to how to wait and when to wait and why we're waiting. Father, just give us great grace, faith, patience, build, do a deep work within each one of us that we're ready and positioned to receive the promise in the fullness of time. Father, I just pray for those who are away from God this morning, that today that they would say yes to Jesus, acknowledge their need for a Savior, and today as they invite Christ to become their Lord, that their lives will be changed, they'll receive eternal life, and they'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless you. Great sharing this word with you. Until next time, see you then. Thanks for listening to our Impact Online podcast. We release a new episode every week and you can access all our podcasts and videos via our website. Visit impactchurch.me for lots of extra resource. We'll see you next time at Impact Online.